0: to Smart Poker Study, me Hardies the podcast dedicated to helping ye play more effectively, earn more booty, and be 1% better than those conniving players at the table. Avast ye! Raise the yardarm, scrub the decks, man the cannons, and perk up your ears, boys and girls. I'm your host, the Dread Pirate Sky. It's Pirate Poker Study Time, mateys. G'day and welcome to episode 257 of the Smart Poker Study Podcast. Me name is Dread Pirate Sky, and my hopes you're ready for some poker Q&A. For ye land lovers, me appreciating you checking out the show. You came at just the right time to help me celebrate International Talk Like a Pirate Day. It's every year, September 19th, Savvy. So join me today, listen to some questions and me piratey answers, and then go forth and practice your own piratey speech with all ye mates and coworkers. Maybe even ye grandmommy. Give her a call, why don't ya? And thanks also to ye longtime pirates joining me once again, setting sail on the seven seas. I know you be subscribing to the show on your favorite podcatching app. But what do I know? I'm just a poker-playing pirate here to share my ill-gotten wisdom with y'all. Today, we be covering three questions from some of the scurviest scoundrels I've ever clashed with on the open seas. But before we get to them, let's take a little time to discuss the Poker Forge. This is me, membership site full of poker strategy and study booty to help ye improve your skills. It's called the Poker Forge because, just like a blacksmith takes a raw piece of metal and with blood, sweat, and tears, he done turns it into something useful and beautiful. That's what we be doing here at the Poker Forge. Through focused effort, both on and off the felt, Poker Forge members are forming themselves into the beautifully winning players they yearn to be. This month is progressing swimmingly and members have already received... Ten videos with more to come. They're on their way to becoming lords of the preflop seas in September. So if ye be serious about your poker game, visit thepokerforge.com. It's the place to be. It's a no-brainer. It's like pillaging in Tortuga. You can't miss it. So voyage over to thepokerforge.com to check it out and join today. Alrighty, it be question time. Please visit the show notes page for everything May discusses today. Smartpokerstudy.com slash pod 257. Battle stations and gambatte. The only rules that really matter are these. What a man can do and what a man can't do. Can you sail under the command of a pirate? Or can you not? Alrighty, first question, bluffing on the flop with Ace-King, here's what Sink had to say. One last question, when having Ace-King in ye hand, naturally make a value bet at the pre-flop with something like 3-4 to four big blinds, however, if the flop comes down with totally irrelevant cards, such as the 6, the deuce, the 8 rainbow, in such a case, do you suggest I continue with a C bet or play cautiously depending on me position? All right, great question, Sank. I really appreciate it. So when it comes to C-bet bluffing with Ace-King, don't think about holding Ace-King or 7-6 suited or Jack-10 or whatever your hand is. Instead, when you're considering a C-bet bluff, consider the likelihood that the player is going to fold. That's all that really matters. Sure, you have a flush draw with your ace-king maybe, then if they call, you can still hit your flush or an ace or a king on the turn for 15 outs to a better hand. That's kind of a backup in case your bluff doesn't work. What matters is if your opponent is going to fold. Now, the board you use in your example, 8-6 deuce rainbow, that's pretty dry and hard to hit. They're more likely to fold on a board like this than the 10-9-8 with two spades. Also, if you're bluffing, your sizing matters. If you make it one quarter pot, they're less likely to fold than if you would bet two thirds pot. You wanna bet an amount that would fold all their non pairs and ace high hands. Your position also matters. Savvy, if you're in position, they're more likely to fold on the flop because there's two more streets where you have position and you can continue to pressure them. And think about your image too. Do they think you're always bluffing flops? If so, they're less likely to fold. And lastly, it's your own range, so if you raised preflop, they're going to think that you do have pocket 10s or better and ace-king, right? If so, then they might be more likely to fold because their ace-queen loses to your ace-king, or their non-pair hand loses to all your 10s or better kind of hands. If you just min raise to two big blinds preflop, they might think you don't have all those strongest hands, so just be careful of that, you know, your preflop sizing is going to put ideas into your opponent's head for what you could be holding. And... Lastly, sink when they ain't folding, we ain't bluffing. So just be aware. If you really, for whatever reason, think they never fold on the flop, just don't c-bet. All right, question two is about c-bet bluffing and then facing a raise. It kind of goes along with sink's prior question, but this one comes to us from Andrew. Andrew said, I am experiencing a problem, though. There are multiple times where I get myself into a situation facing tight, aggressive players out of position, I would c-bet with two overcards and then run into the dreaded re-raise. This leaves me stuck with an overvalued hand or maybe a draw. This is extremely trying, and I attempt to 3-bet when I feel people notice the weakness. Of course, the whole strategy can vary with every single hand, but any general advice for a young pirate on the open seas? Alright, well, the first thing to think about, Andrew, is why are you betting? Your example is a c-bet bluffing situation. So you're bluffing, so when they re-raise, it should actually be an easy fold most of the time because you made the bluff expecting them to fold because they don't have a pair or they don't have a good draw on this board much of the time. The tough thing comes when they don't do what we expect, and this sometimes surprises us. In poker, if you're surprised by the reaction, then you didn't give your action enough thought to begin with. Now, what happens here is you faced a raise when you wanted them to fold. You know the best play is to fold, but then you think about the equity you're giving up or the chance that they're just bluffing you. What a bummer to ditch the two overcard hand or potentially letting them pull off an easy bluff. But before you made the out of position C-bet bluff, how often are they folding and how often are they raising? You've got to answer those questions ahead of time. Here are five things to consider. Number one, look at their fold to C-bet when in position. If they fold 60% or more, great, C-bet bluff them. Number two, how does their range interact with the board? If it hits the board well, your C-bet's less likely to work. Number three, speaking of the board, does it hit your preflop range? Should they be concerned that you hit a strong hand on this board, or will they suspect your C-bet bluff is exactly that, a C-bet bluff? Number four, do they respect you? Do you have the image of a bluffer? If so, they're less likely to fold to you. Maybe they think you're a maniac or you're a loose aggressive player, you know, especially when they have position on you. And number five, are you using a sizing that will get them to fold? Half pot or lower doesn't work as often as you'd like it to anymore. Go two thirds pot or greater to get folds, especially when you're out of position. Now, ultimately, if all signs point to them folding most of the time versus your c-bet, and they raise, then they have a good hand and folding is the right play. If they're bluffing you, you know, so be it. You have got to find the fold when signs point to you being beat. Those who can't fold when they should remain losing or break even players for their for their entire poker journey. One final thing, before you raise pre-flop, Andrew, look at those yet to act and gauge whether or not they're going to call and put you out of position on the flop. If you've got lots of callers who will be tough to bluff, tighten up your open raising range or raise bigger to get less callers. And after the break, I'm going to hit you with one final question. Alrighty, a few shout outs today. SoulCode purchased Poker Tracker 4 through my affiliate link. He went to SmartPokerStudy.com slash PokerTracker4, realized that this is the poker software that he's been missing his entire life, and he picked it up. And in thanks for that uh, support of the show, I sent SoulCode my Smart HUD for PokerTracker4. Now he's got the best HUD in the business. And also Steph Kustin purchased the HUD directly from me. She already had PokerTracker 4 so no need to get the software, but she did need the best HUD in the business. So she went to smartpokerstudycom HUD. she checked out what the HUD is all about. She realized, "Damn, this is what I've been needing." So she picked it up. Thank you very much, Steph. And also, Richard Connell purchased two of my webinars, Playing to Learn, a microstakes webinar. And he also picked up Poker Mathematics. Thank you so much, Richard. If you want one of these webinars for yourself, just go to the show notes page. Oh, and then can't forget this. Speaking of the poker mathematics, Addy picked that one up as well. Thank you very much, Addy. You and Richard are going to have, there's so much information there, so so many different math concepts, but that webinar is going to teach you all of them. So you're going to be able to use it on the felt. All right, me hearties, let's get back to the questions. So, question three is about developing an intuition for positive ev plays and it comes to us from manny fernandez here's what he said i need help quickly calculating equity to make me the proper correct positive ev profitable play well thanks for that question manny so i don't actually try to calculate ev for anything the numbers themselves don't matter to me uh surprisingly so maybe you think i think about ev all the time well I do think about EV all the time, but I don't calculate them, you know. What matters to me is if my intuition tells me that a situation is positive EV or negative EV. Positive EV means that I can expect this play to be making me money in the long run. Negative EV means it's a negative play to make. So I treat EV like a mindset, not an actual calculation to base decisions on. So, for example, calling with a hand like King 9 suited in a hijack. It's not really a money-making play because I'm just inviting a lot of other people to call behind, or I'm inviting an aggressive player to 3-bet squeeze. If I do happen to get to the flop with king-nine suited, I really need to flop something nice to earn any money with, it like, two-pair or better, right? That happens super infrequently, so most of the time I'm going to end up check-folding or just folding in position on the flop. So because of these things, I know that calling with king-nine suited is not a positive EV play, so I'm better off just folding it or turning it into a potential 3-bet. The way I develop my intuition for positive EV versus negative EV plays is by reviewing hands off the felt. The more hands you review, both winning and losing hands, the more mistakes you're going to catch yourself making. Every mistake is a negative EV decision, and catching these constantly will allow you to spot patterns in these mistakes. So, for example, you might catch yourself open raising, then calling 3-bets with Ace-10 suited. You realize as you do some hand-reading exercises and you assign your opponent's ranges that they never have a hand worse than Ace-10 suited when they 3-bet you. So, you realize you should never be calling their 3-bets with a hand worse than their range. Blammo! Lesson learned and hopefully future negative EV decisions avoided. Righty mateys, That's it for this Pirate Day Q&A. Make sure you head on over to smartpokerstudy.com/pod257 for the show notes and related links for everything discussed today. Thanks as always for listening and I will be back next week with a brand new strategy episode. If you enjoyed today's Piratey q and I invite you to check out thepokerforge.com This is the essential resource for any poker player, or any swabby pirate, at any stage of the game, especially if you want to become a profit maker in the preflop stages, because that's what we're all about in the month of september So check out thepokerforge.com today! Lastly, me new Alexa skill called Daily Poker Tips is available for all you English-speaking Alexa users. Just go to the Alexa Skills Store and search for daily poker tips. You'll get a 30-second poker tip every day during Yee flash briefing. Until next time, study smart, play much, extract as much booty from that table as you can, and make your next session the best one yet.